Welcome to Four Finger Discount, proudly brought to you by popculture.com.au. I am Dando. I am Mitch. Today we're here to do a very special podcast. It's not the normal episode review. We're here to discuss Homer's Odyssey in a Big and Simpsons guide, aren't it, we, Mitch? We certainly are. This is going up uh, early access for our Patreon fans, but this is also going out to our wider podcasting community. Yeah. We had uh, a number of questions sort of around either what's in the book or what went into writing the book, and we thought that it was worth dedicating an episode just to have a little chat and a peek behind the kind of, I I don't want to sound too wanky and say creative process, but that's pretty much what we're doing. We're having a look at how the book was written, how it came to be. I've got a couple of questions for you from me before we get into the listener questions. Okay. Okay, So, do you want to kick off with that? Um, Sure, we can. I was going to say, did you want to kick off with a quick review of the book first? Okay. So, reading reviews, you mean, from people or? uh, Yeah, this is just, this has popped up in my my news feed, someone that was sharing a photo of the book. For those of you unaware... Homer's Odyssey is available now worldwide. Like you, can, yep. you can actually order it anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. So, if you are not in the UK or Australia, you can order it via thebookdepository.com. They will yep. ship out the UK edition, I think, within one business day. They're, they're pretty quick. Because if you go via Amazon, it says April. Don't do that. Yeah, go don't book do depository. that. Yep. But anywhere else in the world, Amazon, whatever book, whatever online store yeah. you like, uh, you can get it. In, sorry, when I say anywhere else, UK and Australia, you can get it through Amazon. There's so or, many different um, companies in Australia distributing it now. There type, are. type Homer's Odyssey Simpsons book into Google. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you do about it in Simpsons book otherwise you get the Odyssey by home <laughs> um, which you uh, which you don't want but no. uh, unless you're an English lit student who wears a turtleneck and has a high sense of self-worth but Would outside they even of want that, that anymore not now that this is out no no why no. would you bother with some centuries old text I know right it certainly is not in a big book I've heard that Bible sales have actually gone down in the last week I would assume so because yeah. people have gone there's a new religion in town yeah. I don't need it anymore <laughs> uh, but um, don't take my word for it Listen to this Reviews. from the okay. I'll admit that I'm not the world's biggest Simpsons fan. I know enough quotes to get by in general conversation, and I can vaguely remember the gist of episodes I grew up with, but that's the extent of it. In saying that, I have been waiting for this book to come out from Four Finger Discount like crazy, and it does not disappoint. If you're up for a good laugh, a trip down memory lane, a bit of nostalgia, and a sudden and unexpected craving for donuts, you know what to do. And who was that from? Anonymous. Anonymous, okay. <laughs> Which is my way of saying it's from a very good friend from who might myself. have been slightly biased. No, that's from, uh, that is from a lady named Megan. Yes, thank okay. you very much for the support, Megan, and I'm glad you're enjoying the book. And thanks to all the listeners who have been already already writing reviews on Amazon and uh, Dimmicks and whatnot. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the next step. If, if you get the book and you enjoy the book, please jump online and, and leave a bit of a review. I think, same with the, I, think with I saw her on the book depository, and I don't know what, particular scale this is on or what list it's measured against but I think we're ranked 876th in the bestsellers list yes! currently <laughs> so, but I'm sure reviews go some way to helping people buy the book and then we creep our way up the numbers I mean that is admittedly ranked better than Tiger Woods is in the world golf rankings at the moment so really? yeah I think he's 1106th I think being in the top 1000 books of all, not of all time it's just of the year is it I yeah well this is I don't know <laughs> I really have no idea how long the bestseller look, yeah, the list goes go for. Back. So let's not get too carried away. No, no, like no. we might be eight hundred and seventy sixth out of eight hundred and seventy seven. So I don't <laughs> want to get excited. So uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's already reviewed. And as Mitch said, if you've got the book and you enjoy it, jump onto wherever, whatever website you bought it from or whatever. Amazon is that probably the best one for people to review on? Where are um, gonna, most people? Well, yeah, buy it from? I, I suppose most people are going to look it up on Amazon. But yeah. Dimmicks as well, if you're in Australia, Booktopia. Just, I mean, whatever whatever store you bought it from, review it on. Whichever there. one you use the most when you're buying. Your you book. know what? Do it on all of them. Yes, do that. That would be great. <laughs> just copy paste on every single yeah. website that's distributing the book. Is that um, is is that not the big problem with online reviews? Are we effectively soliciting now, like like how you know restaurants will pay people to give them a good Yelp review? Yeah, who cares? Yeah. No. <laughs> So, I've got a question for you. Please, hit me with it. What is your favourite part of the book? Um, well, do we want to... Before we talk about favourites, do we want okay. to... We've kind of told the story of how the book came about. Yeah, yeah. So oh, do we need to cap on? Have we told it in depth, though? I don't know if we've Can ever we done it the, well, Let's depth. discuss the book launch first. Okay, well, yeah, so... Last Friday, thanks to the people who you. came down, the listeners. Yeah, thank you so much to everyone that came. We had about... 90 or so people come to our yeah, book yeah. launch. Um, which was cool. Which, which was great. I mean, at the MCG, that doesn't look like a lot, but the room had a capacity of 100. So thank you very mm. much. You guys were very sweet. And it was brilliant to it was be able great to fun. meet There was people. donuts, there were Simpsons on the big screen. It was awesome. We did the Q&A, yeah, did the reading. The, uh, did the, the Q&A, reading. which is available on our Facebook page. Um, just film make sure sideways for your convenience. Film sideways. So make sure you turn <laughs> off auto-rotate on your phone yeah. and then you'll be fine. Um so, I mean, I don't want to cover over too much of what we spoke about on that, but basically, for people that don't know the gist of it, 
we were fortunate enough that someone who works for Penguin Random House was a fan of the podcast. His name was... Uh, Hugh Armstrong. Was, I was going to say was, still is, Hugh <laughs> Armstrong. Um, who reached out and said, would you guys like to write a book? This was somewhere around uh, December, January, thereabouts. It was summer in Australia. It was January because it was right near the end of my honeymoon. Yeah, there yep. you go. Um, now, I at first 100% thought that that was some form of scam. I, I didn't because, take any notes. You said, did you see this? And I thought, well, someone's just taking the piss. Yeah, because when do you ever get an unsolicited offer to write a book? Like, how many people out there in the world have written manuscripts, have, have got ideas for books, and are getting rejected by publishers left, right, and centre? Um, I mean, that's one thing that we have over JK Rowling. We didn't need to go to a second place. Mm. So, <laughs> um, the thing is, though... I mean, it's the only one thing that we have over her, but it's still a thing. The idea of potentially this possibly being real was too much of an opportunity not to respond. Yeah, and I mean, we did some research and he turned out to be a very real person, which helped. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, it was probably six weeks or so of back and forth after that, though, to actually lock it in because it was, do you want to do a book? Yes. Okay, what do you think it's going to look like? And could you do this or could you do that? Um, I've got to run that up to my superiors and see if the, you know if, if this is something that our sales team mm. thinks that they can get behind, if it's something that marketing can market, all that sort of Wasn't stuff. Wasn't set in stone immediately. No. Um, so then by the time it's all done, it, it's around about March. It's probably mid, mid to late March. And I, I, I was around the corner from here, actually. I was at um, the Sphinx Hotel. Very <laughs> Landmark. <laughs> rather. <laughs> I'd only pulled in there because I was expecting the phone call and I was on the road. So I was like, I need to go somewhere. Um and I want to be near beer either to celebrate or to drown my sorrows if yeah. the phone call goes good or bad. Um, but it turned out to be very successful, uh, you know, it, yeah, as history would show. Um, they said, absolutely, we want you to write the book. And I went, brilliant, we can do that. Now, of course, I haven't written anything since year 12. <laughs> like, oh, of we, wrote, we wrote articles for the website, that's yeah, it, but nothing that serious. Count. No, Like, no, no. I, I don't take anything that I like I went one of the first things I did when we were I was like okay book let's go back and read some of the articles and see if there's you anything did in there you write some reviews for back when we did Torrent This you'd write some movie reviews I, yeah, yeah I did write a couple a couple but even things that you should have seen or whatever even yeah. that at its most was 1200 to 1500 words yeah. like it's really nothing um so he goes, all right, we want you to do the book. And we're brilliant. About 70,000 words. I went, yeah, sure, of course. What, 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 what's 70,000 words amongst friends? And then he says, we need it in stores by Christmas. That's fine. That's fine. It's nine months away. Yeah, plenty of time. He said, which means you guys need to have it done by the end of June. So nine weeks. And I went, <laughs> yeah, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed very daunting at, at the time. And 70,000 words did seem mm. like a lot. Mm -hmm. But by the end of it, we could have put more in. No. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, look, we I spent probably 20 of my last 24 hours before the deadline trying to go over and edit. And that was the only 20 hours that we really had to edit. I would have loved an extra week, personally. But yeah. can I ask... I mean, I've probably read more books than you have. Um, sure, yeah. Were you aware of how big of a task it was at the outset? Because I feel like f I was... I was hugely aware not only of how momentous an achievement this was going to be, but also how big of a task and job it was going to be. Whereas I feel like particularly on the achievement side of things, it didn't sink in for you until a bit later. The Correct me if I'm wrong. The achievement thing still to this moment hasn't quite sunk in. Okay. I still look at it and I, I, I think it's just because I, I'm a modest person. Mm. A lot of people at work come up to me and say, oh, it's so fucking great. You know, this is such a huge thing. I'm like, I know. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. But... It's still to me, I don't know, I feel like it's just a book, but I need to tell myself, no, this is a very big well, deal. Well, the thing is, there's no such thing as just a book. Yeah. Like, that's that's the big achievement and not, like, I, I, I'm modest about it as well. I mean, I'm, I'm very aware of what this thing is, but, and I pref, I, I say that knowing what my next sentence is about to be is probably one of the more, could be taken as being very non-modest, um, but I I'd commented to my auntie and uncle, they're like, you, must, you know, you must be really proud. And I said, well, I mean, the way I look at it, you, and I know that, you know, my, my uncle's very much into science and, and has some brilliant books on his bookshelf. I'm like, you're taking the thing that I've written and I'm going to go, you know, in effect, I'm going to go home with you and I'm going to live on a shelf next to Stephen Hawking. Like, I don't deserve to be there, but I am there. And that is 
something that can never be taken away. So that that for me, from the outset, that was where my mind was heading. I was like, think of how many brilliant minds have written books in the past. And sure, there's probably been a lot of shit ones that have written. I mean, Jeremy Clarkson has a number of books out, but I yeah. mean, I you know, I'm I, you enter into that pantheon of names, and not only that, out of respect of the millions and millions of authors who never get published, who are probably better writers than I will ever be. Um, so from that aspect of it, from the outset, I was like, this is huge. I think that's what a lot of people don't quite understand when it came to our book was that they came to us. Hmm. Peng- we didn't have to go out and shill ourselves and beg for money and get, and we don't have to do anything now. Our job's yeah, done. Which is miraculous. Because they keep saying, people keep saying to me at work, oh, how many books do you have to sell? How many have you got left over? And I said, we've sold the ones that we're allowed to have. Like, we've got yeah. nothing left. You have to go to the stores to buy it now. Our yeah. job is done. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's just a case of sit back and hope that it makes... The, uh, the 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 money that Penguin were hoping for, and then maybe we'll get an opportunity again in the future. Like uh, just going back to what you're saying before, though, I think your you having your name on the front cover of the book means more to you than me having my name on the front cover of the mm. book. I but every day now when I look at the book, I feel proud. Yeah, good. And I, I'm and glad I'm, you And do. I'm only just really starting to feel pride mm. because we fucking worked really hard on it. I I did notice, and you kind of got gypped a little bit like uh, online. There's a couple postings where it has four finger discount by Mitch Grinter. Yeah. Plus other. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was I know. like, oh, poor, but, but, poor guy. But, and a lot of people come up to me saying, why is Mitch's name first? That's not alphabetical order. And I was like, I don't know. Mitch is first. They said, oh, but yours should be, alf- your f- yours is first. Dando should be first alphabetical order. I went, I don't care. Pu- yeah, well, pu- it purely, by matter, it doesn't, purely by alphabet, that's correct. It doesn't um, matter to me. I don't, I, it doesn't bother me. I think it was purely that I answered the email. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not bothered. But I, I am up top on the back cover though. <laughs> that's true your photo does come first <laughs> but all that stuff means nothing to me all I'm proud about is the fact that we were able to tell our story mm. and it's like for example my backstage tour that's in the book yeah that story is now going to live on forever which it was a very good piece of writing by yourself I, I think that's it. my favourite part of the book because yeah. I'm able to look back and remember that time I spent on my honeymoon with Nicola it's probably the one part of the book that you got pushed the hardest on as well as far as feedback and I mean it's good but you need to get more out of this yeah. I think it's because, the, from because first draft to final draft that's probably the bit that changed the most well I suffered a lot in that I kept thinking to myself people aren't going to be interested in what I have to say that's what I kept thinking in my head people aren't, people aren't going to care which is why when I did the backstage tour I didn't describe it as much as I normally would have because I thought no one's going to care. But then Hugh sat back the thing saying, we want to know every single bitty detail. What did it smell like? What did the carpet look like? Everything. And I thought, oh, okay, well, if he wants to know, then maybe others do. And hmm. that's the part of the book that I'm the most proud of, I think. Yeah, cool. Um, I think that's a, that kind of covers a bit of backstory. Some of the some of the rest of it, and we do have some good story. of our, you know, There are some moments of what you go through um, at, when you're trying to produce something this big that we'll talk about through the rest of the episode and off the back of some of the listening questions. But, yeah. okay, so you want to know what is my favourite part of the book? Yeah. Well, that, that, that backstage tour is my favourite part. Okay. My absolute favourite part of the book, and I it was the reading that I did um, on the book launch. So, I have, my grandmother uh, ended well, lost a battle with cancer. It was a, a long-running two to three years in, in care. Um was a beautiful, beautiful woman who I didn't spend anywhere near enough time with when I was, I mean, when I was a kid, certainly, but from probably 15 through to when she died, I, I would have only seen her a small handful of times. Um, I was able to put in a story about her uh, and, and sort of remembering her via an episode. So for me, that is the biggest element that, in the book, you were talking about how your story gets to live on and through this book, she gets to, to live on and a story about her gets to be shared by hopefully thousands of people around the world and uh, someone, you know, people that have never met her will get a little window into um, how special a lady she was. Yep. So that to me is more than anything, it was, you know, a, a, a brilliant... Uh, I, I'm really, really happy that I was able to commemorate her that way. I... I'm similar in a sense that I'm disappointed though that I left out my nan because in the part what this means what the show means to me mm-hmm. I mentioned how I first saw the Simpsons on a taped version of the Muppets mm-hmm. I took out the part where I said that my nan taped before she got to work every day because I sort of felt I was being too personal I thought people aren't going to want to know about my nan I look back now I think I wish I had left that in and when I did my reading at the book launch I actually threw that bit yeah. in there because even though it's not in the book yeah that's 
one of my main regrets was taking that out because I would like because my nan's getting old, mm. and I would like her to live on through the book as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, hopefully, if there's a if there's an audio book that comes, yeah, up, I'll throw it in. Throw there. it in. <laughs> uh, did you have other questions? I think you mentioned. Oh, it was just what and what are you most proud of of the book? So, what's your favorite and what part are you most proud of? Just the fact that it got done. There are so many people. And I've been one of them in the past where you talk and, and to use books as a very specific example, like oh, I'm working on a book and they'll be working on a book for 15 years and they'll write six pages. I've done it with shows and scripts and stuff like that in the past. I mean, there's some things you do, there's some things you don't do, but there's always that kind of notion of, oh yeah, I'm working on something. You just want to throw it out there. Yeah. Um, the fact that I was able to, like the most that I've ever written in the past has been maybe six pages. So the fact that I was able to get something this big done and committed to it, and I've always been a really bad procrastinator when it comes to getting a task done throughout school and and work and all that sort of stuff. Like I I need a deadline to motivate me. Um, I work best in the last third leading up to the deadline. I noticed. (laughs) Um, So for this, I was really proud of the actual work ethic that I set to go into it. Like I, it's not like you life goes on hold so I was able to sit down very early and go all right I need to roughly do this much per day Um, and I was sort of thinking about Jerry Seinfeld and his mantra when it comes to writing comedy which is always try to write something every day doesn't matter what it is but just mark off on a calendar that today I wrote something and that was largely I think what I was able to do there were some times where you just needed to step away from it all and you can go out and have a hit of golf or take How the dogs much for a walk. I suck or... when you had writer's block and you, I got so frustrated sometimes. And like you said, I just mm. had to go out and have a hit of golf. There was one moment where, I, I don't remember what piece it actually was now, but I, it might have been, uh, it was an episode review. I mine was a review as well, yeah. I don't remember which one, but I remember physically, I, I was about two and a half paragraphs through and I remember physically typing the words, this is the biggest piece of shit of all time, <laughs> kill it with fire. And you then, sent me that actually, yeah, yeah. And then hit save, and then left. Yeah. Um, and I was filthy about how badly I was writing at the time. I was like, "This is just awful. This is going nowhere. Oh, God, how am I going to be able to do this? This is maybe halfway through the writing process." And then I didn't touch it again for about a month. I just buried that episode and dreaded coming back to it for a while. But then catch you, you catch it in a better mood when I finally opened it again. I, I reread it with a fresh set of eyes. Was it the gambling one? It might have been secret, uh, Springfield or yeah. how I learned to love gambling. It could have been that one. Um, but looked at it again and went, it, like it just clicks where you're like, oh, hang on. All I need to do is just change this mm. and then I can structure that and then bang and there we go. And I finished it about 15 minutes and it actually turned into probably one of the best bits of writing that I did in yeah, the book. Yeah. Um, so that's like that was one of the big learning curves for me. And for anyone that's, I presume if people are listening to this, it's because they're interested in the actual creative process and how you go about writing and finishing a task um that's one of them you have to get you have to very much be okay with failure you have to know that some days you're going to write something that'll suck and but if you write the thing that sucks it'll help you get to the thing that doesn't um you have to be prepared to have someone tell you what what you've written sucks as well mm. and it's important that you listen to them as to why they think it sucks yeah take that on board and tweak it and fix it yeah they don't mean completely change it unless it isn't a piece of shit yeah yeah but sometimes just, it's a complete rewrite they're just saying just tweak it a little bit so you're combining their thoughts with the way you want to write and it, the result is much better yeah and generally at the very least sometimes it might not be but you at least need to try it you, you need to be prepared to throw things out to be able to get to the stuff that you want to keep sometimes you just sit and it'll flow and it'll be like the most effortless thing in the world it's like going downstream on a raft you just think how easy is life but then sometimes it's like paddling against rapids and, and it's amazing too there's a couple of points where Hugh sent through um, pointers and at first I didn't quite get what he was going for I thought really he wanted to do that and once mm. I started doing it I thought that's why you're the professional <laughs> <laughs> I think it helped us as well it helped me especially writing about something that we both we both love we didn't have to create something new mm. here's a product that we've grown up loving watching now talk about it it gave us the ability to be able to write such a great book in such a short period of time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it helped to know... This, like, there wasn't a lot of brand new research that you had to do. Like, no. you didn't have to come at it from a, a place of needing to fact-check every single thing you wrote because a lot of the stuff you do know. I mean, obviously, everything is researched, and but it's not 
Whereas if it was a show that you'd never seen, you might need to watch an episode five or six times to be able to do a review. You could you could get away with doing it once or twice because we were cherry picking episodes that meant a lot to us, and typically they were ones that we've already seen a hundred times. Yeah. Well, the, when we first started writing the book, it wasn't fun for me. The point, the turning point for me came because I was finding it very hard, and I think I was writing in a. It, I wasn't writing like I would normally write. When Hugh said to me, I think it was Hugh. He said, "Don't." try to write a review about the episode. Tell me why you like the episode. Mm. And when I realized that I'm able to just simply express my personal feelings and why I like the episode, I found the writing process so much more fun and easier. Yeah, and more interesting as well to actually read. Although there is still elements of um, talking about those things, like be it a particular direct director's choice or um, the the way the music might swell up at a particular moment, but it's more framed in the overall feeling of the episode rather than just approaching it as a cold piece of analysis. Yeah. Um, would you like some questions from the Twitter sphere? I've, I've got them here as well in front of me, so okay. I'll let you kick off. Um, question. Uh, so I'll, I'll sort of run through... I was listening to the podcast the other day where they did this in chronological order and that seemed to work well. I've got them all. Um, got rid of the questions that weren't actually about the book. Oh, okay. Just want the, the silly ones. I'm sort of like, yeah, so that's fine. So, do you come with the book? You've gotten rid of that? That kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. Andrew Johnson, where's the five? Yeah, give me, give the, me five. the five. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, if you've already curated them, then yeah. feel free to throw the questions out <laughs> okay. at me. Well, Ryan Waters says, why did we choose the name Homer's Odyssey? We didn't choose it, did we? Penguin chose that. Penguin pitched that to us very early and we did spitball some what other ideas. What were we ideas. going to call it? Oh, I don't know that we ever settled on anything that was better than it that. It wasn't going to be in, in a big and Simpsons guy. Wasn't it going to be something? Cromulent was in there somewhere, wasn't it? Um, a Cromulent Simpsons guide? Is that what it was going to nah, be called? Uh, Cromulent wasn't going to be in there. I think an in big and Simpsons guide was going to be part of the title, like a much bigger part of the title yeah. early. But, I mean, Penguin, the, the reason why Penguin have pitched Homer's Odyssey is the, the literary play on words. Mm. So... So, for those who don't know, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, there's a, a poem called The Odyssey, which is a Greek um, poem by Homer. Now, that comprises the... Uh, it's, it's a sequel to the Iliad, which is the other work ascribed to him. So, from a literary nerd standpoint, it's something that triggers a response straight away. It's, it's also the... Um, there is a Simpsons episode in season one, the second or third? Uh, Homer's Odyssey, Third yeah. or fourth episode. It is the third episode. Third episode is named Homer's Odyssey. So, it kind of was a nice way to tie it into the book world. Like, it's an in-joke for, for book fans as much as a uh, reference for Simpsons fans. I'm just Googling now Homer's Odyssey to see what comes up first. Is it the episode? Is it the original? Uh, or is it- it's our book. Does it? Our book. That might be curated. Oh, actually, uh, Shop for Homer's, Shop for Homer's Odyssey. Odyssey, yeah. But then the first link will be about Homer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Also, the... I remember when they originally pitched it to us, it was Homer's Odyssey, and they said, we want the front cover to be like ancient ruins. And yeah, whatnot. they kind of stretched and that motif a little I bit too far. I was really put off by that. I thought, I don't want to do that. So we sort of, uh, we bargained. We said, all right, we'll use the name Homer's Odyssey, but we'd prefer to have the donut on the cover. And did that create trouble? Oh my God. If you ever want to really get involved <laughs> in the minutiae of... Sprinkles. Sprinkles. Colors um, of sprinkles. And what shade of... Uh, icing. What shade of icing? I still have uh, an image on my laptop that is five different. It's it's like when you go to um, choose paint with your uh, significant other, and they give you the color swatches. Mm. I've got five different types of donut that they sent us and said you can use either of these, and none of them were what we had sent no. through. Um, <laughs> uh, one of them is the final copy, but. There was a point in time where I was thinking an actual donut was going to be the best way to go, yeah. like take a photo of a proper donut. Copyright to, that, motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it was. It. I mean, because it is an unofficial Simpsons guide, we don't have. It's not like Fox are against the book, but we don't have the blessing of them either, so we can't use any copyright material. They must have had to have sent it to Fox for Fox to read, proofread the book before they published it. Uh, I don't think they necessarily would have. You reckon they would go? You reckon they would invest all that money? publishing it, and then have Fox say, you can't have this in your book. Surely they would send it to Fox no, to proofread no, first. No, I mean, that's all about copyright law. Okay. So, And copyright laws were relatively slackened about three-ish years ago, two to three years ago. From I was chatting with one of the, the yeah. people from the law team that you can use, like, you specifically with the use of quotes, it used to be really strict that if you used a quote at all, then you had to pay royalties for it. But... Now, it's similar to our podcast. If you use a quote in aid of a review and you can prove that the text is not 
um, reliant upon that quote, then you're yeah. fine. So, I mean, it's probably less than 1% of what we've written in the book is actually quoting anything or yeah. or using specific copyrighted material. We're just referring to it, which yeah. you're allowed to do. As, as much trouble as it was, though, I am so glad we went with the donut because the cover looks fantastic. Mm. The way it's... Im- is it embossed? Is that the correct term? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like, they've gone with sort a of kind pop- of cool little off gloss the page, doesn't it? Yeah. The cover's great. It's, you see it on a shelf, it just really stands out among, among anything else. Is that my design from memory? We both des- we sat we sat here on this computer and we both designed it. Yeah, I think I steered. <laughs> no, you didn't. Well, you controlled. It was, but always, I- it was always going to be yellow. <laughs> I had the right yellow, and then yeah. we saw the, the donut. Yeah, <laughs> I I like that it appeals to both Simpsons fans and people looking for sugar free diets. Like yes. whenever they have that, like in the no sugar diet, there <laughs> there will be a donut on the cover. All right, so that's the answer to that question. Henry says, first question: Are there any chapters you wish you could change up, add something, etc.? Um. I've mentioned mine with my nan. I wish I had to put that in there. Yeah. I'm dis- well, I'm disappointed I took it out. Yeah. Yep. I found that because of the time constraints, there wasn't a lot of time to even really think about it. Like yeah. it was just which a case is better. Of I think you needed to get it out. You couldn't sit there and work too hard on crafting it. I mean, obviously, you wanted it to be as good as it could possibly be, and we we did edit and we changed and we went through multiple drafts of things. But by the same token, I didn't have time to dwell on it. Once it was done, it was just done, rather than. Um, you know, you think about, you hear movie directors talk about if they watch their thing, then they're constantly thinking, oh, if I had done this or I had done that, you're always trying to improve it. I think if I went back and reread it now, I would probably come up with a number of things like that. Um, it's almost, the compare it to how a South Park episode is made. They don't have yeah. time to fuck about. It's just get what get it out there. Yeah. And whatever the result is, that's it. So be it. Just enjoy it. Yeah. Just be satisfied with what you can produce in that time frame. So there's nothing you wouldn't take out. There's certainly nothing in there that I would take out. Did you want to switch something up? Would you have, would you have done done a selected a different episode to review? Which episode did you review that you? Which episode did you want to review that you didn't get a chance to? Um, no, I, I feel I, we, to, we we covered all the classics and the the, yeah, the in all conversation. The, all the classics are covered. Pretty much everything in there. Like yeah. I'm, I'm really really happy with the results. Like, um, my top five, which I really like. Um, the fact that I've been able to talk about episodes that never get spoken about so like yep. I've got Simpson and Delilah Radio Bart uh, and then I've moved into Itchy and Scratchy Land Hope and the Great New Only Move Twice so there are three episodes in there that are, that are pretty obvious that are going to appear in anyone's top ten list but yep. Radio Bart in particular that's you mentioned your behind the scenes thing bringing you back to your honeymoon Radio Bart I talk about how I came to appreciate that episode more because while Ash and I were on our honeymoon, mm. there was a day that we were really sick and we watched the movie Ace in the Hole, which Radio Bart is largely you mentioned that in based the review. on. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a, about a third of that review was actually me talking about being in New York. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it kind of ties in nicely, I would like to think. So, it, yeah, in short, there's, there's really nothing in there that I would take out, but that is largely because... I was so pushed to get everything in yeah. and get it in in time that I I haven't had the chance to sit and think what shouldn't be there. Had we had more time, maybe would have liked to have got another interview with Nancy Cartwright, Dan I, Castellanata, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, we wanted to get in as many interviews yeah. as humanly possible and it would have I would have loved to have been able to squeeze more of that in. Um, fans of the podcast will recognise the interviews with the cast members specifically yep. have been sort of re- transcribed, transcribed and, and the highlights have been taken out of the um, podcast. But we kind of figured that ideally this book is going to go out to a number of people that haven't heard the podcast before. So it's still going to be new content mm. for them. Whereas the interviews with your David Silverman's, your Bill Oakley's and that sort of that, thing, that, that's two, just... Those word, two interviews are fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're, they're two of my favourite parts of the book as well. They're exclusive for the book and they're word for word transcribed with the yeah. way they went down. Um, I would have loved to have been able to hang out with Bill more or like just spend more time talking to those guys. He's just been. a Simpsons fan, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he is, which I guess you need to be to run the show. And during our interview, we didn't put this in the book, but during our interview, he mentioned how he's working on another show. Did you see what that turned out to be? No. Matt Granny's new Netflix show. Oh, is he working on that? Yeah. Ah, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay, from Joseph, he says, how easy was it to get the interviews this time? Did your publisher help you? And that next question will be separate. Okay, so ha- did the publisher help us get the interviews? No, no not at all. No. no and we don't say that with any malice or anything. It's just that it wasn't really on them. And it, frankly, it wasn't even really needed by them. No. It um, was literally just, hey, we're going to be doing a book. We reached out to the people. Mm. And if they replied, yes, we did it. If they replied, no, so be it. Yeah. And I think given the fact that it was unofficial, probably to an extent, meant Penguin couldn't get their hands involved too much. It's yeah. better that we were the ones doing it. But... Uh, yeah, and, and as for how 
hard, was it? Oakley was the easiest. Silverman was impossible to land, but I finally got it yeah. what, three, four days before the deadline, I reckon we got that done. Yeah, and that was just because he's busy and hard to yeah, pin yeah, down. Yeah, it was yeah, never yeah. about him not wanting to do it. Um, Oakley was simple. You just tweeted, tweeted and said, <laughs> hey, uh, Bill, would you like to do an interview for our book? And within minutes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was we, just great. Yeah, it was much the same as any interview that we've got for the podcast. It was just a case of find a way to communicate with them, ask them, and they said yes. I could have spoken to him for hours. I yeah, reckon. yeah, he was. Um, there's a moment. I, I don't think this actually did get into the book. That there's a moment that we um, was just a little conversation between him and I, where he referred to us being simpatico, because yeah. I oh, it was no, about that, Radio that, Bart. That is in the book. Radio Bart's one of his favorite episodes. Yeah, and when I was just sat there, I was like, oh, Bill Oakley thinks what I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, more to the point, I think what Bill Oakley thinks. Yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> Okay, so David Mott wants to know, when you were originally writing the book, did you have any doubts about how well it would turn out? If so, how did you conquer those fears? Great question for anyone that's ever tried to do anything creative and put themselves out there. Um, 100%. I, I mean, I think at the be- from the beginning, middle and end, you always have those doubts. I, I mean, I did. I'm, I'm sure you Well, I said a bit earlier, I, was, I thought no one's going to give a shit about what I think. And once I realised that we that's exactly what Penguin wanted. Mm. The book became so much more enjoyable and easy for me to write. Yeah. As for how you get over those doubts, I think two things need to happen. You need to be able to assess your own work objectively. You need to be able to kind of take yourself out of yourself, read the words you've written and say, is this good or is this bad? That's Getting other people to read it and Whether, hearing their feedback helped yeah. me. Yeah, that's excellent to know. Um, I mean, so you share it with people that you trust hmm. and see what they think. Um, the guys at work read the book before anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kept it away from a lot of my best friends, actually. Um, I, I, I've, I preferred, if I needed someone to give me advice, I preferred it to be someone that was at arm's length because I didn't want their opinion to be tainted by knowing me or just being happy that I'd written something. Well, I asked Guy, the movie reviewer, yeah, okay. and I said, uh, just brutal honesty, and he pointed out, everything that was wrong with what I was writing. Yeah, and that good. really helped. Yeah. Also, when I when we first sent our first drafts through to Hugh and he wrote back that we're definitely on the right track, that mm. gave me a bit of confidence as well. Yeah, good. When I What I said before about being able to read your own stuff and think, is it good or bad? I mean, I'm not the greatest writer in the world. I'm not the worst writer in the world. But all I try to do is look at it and think, would I be interested in reading something like this? So... That's, I think all you can do is try to, don't, don't, don't stress about will other people be interested because some people will be, some people won't be. On No matter what you do on any level, on any scale, not everyone's going to love it, not everyone's going to hate it. Hopefully enough people will like it. But say what you want to say basically and say it the way that you want to say it. As long as you do that, you can hold your head up and go, I gave it my best and I put everything that I possibly could into it and hopefully people like it. That's kind of how I got through that fear of, is this going to be good and is anyone going to care? It was just a case of, I'm confident enough that I can string words together in a way that can be entertaining. Whether or not everyone finds that entertaining, it's really not for me. This is this is who I am. I think that we have written this book the only way that we could possibly have written this I book. I think it's an honest... Yeah, and that, that is one thing that I'll always be proud of, that we've done it We've done it the only way that we can do it. And not only that, I think when you do it that way, then by extension, you're the only person that could have written the book like this. No one else in the world could have written... It's not like no one else in the world could not have written their version of this book, but no one could have written this particular version of the book. our perspective, mm. yeah. What I love about it, and this is when I started to feel really proud, was when I picked it up and I just picked a random chapter... Didn't look it up in the, in the contents. I just picked mm. a random part of the book and I laughed and I was entertained. And I thought... Whose I, part of the book was it? It was one of our conversation pieces. Oh, okay. Yep. And I just... I just I, I love the book. Every time I pick it up, I find something new to read because I forget what we wrote about. Particularly the interviews well, as well. Yeah. yeah, it is really... I mean... The, the David Silver interview. There's a interview, lot that I don't so, remember. There's so much content in there and yeah. information and facts that you won't find anywhere else. If, if well, that one of the reviews on one of the early reviews on Amazon saying that, that they've learned a few things that they yeah. didn't know. Um, so I've just picked up a random one, Blo- brother from the same planet, which yeah. was a review that I wrote. I couldn't tell you a single thing that I've put in that. No, I can't it was, remember what I wrote either. Know, it was um, five six months ago now, and I was super busy. So I am looking forward to being able to go back through and, and rediscover a few things. I remember being very happy with my Lisa the Vegetarian review. 
Yeah, I think that was one of the best. From, that was early days too where some of your writing at that point in time was too listy. You were... Very, I mean, based on what the writing you've done in the past, where you've done things for articles, you were it was largely coming across as BuzzFeed. But Lisa the Vegetarian was one of the first things that actually felt like a chapter. Well, I remember you said back, I loved the fact that you mentioned that you never ate lamb since. And I thought, mm. oh, so it's okay to talk about me. Mm. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that was my biggest hurdle was feeling confident enough that people will care about what I think. Yeah. Once, I, Like I said, once I got over that, it was, I was fine. Mm. Next question. Joseph, how has the podcast and book changed our lives thus far? It really hasn't very much. It's just given us a creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah, it's done that. I mean, I've done done less of other things. Like, I haven't looked to do as much acting and that sort of thing, mostly because the time that this um, takes up has got into that. It's... um, it's, it's open doors, obviously, for us to talk to people that I never in my wildest dreams would have thought I've been able to speak to. So, that is phenomenal and something that I'm always really, you know, I'll have memories forever of the fact that I got to interview Harry Shearer. For me, it justifies my years of having no social life and just seeing how much on The Simpsons. Um, we've been able to, not only that, I've been able to meet fans of this show and it's incredibly humbling to think that me spending five minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it might be with some people or, you know, I went over to WA and caught up with some people for dinner and drinks and to think that they might have similar feelings from that experience as I have from when I get to talk to one of these stars or meet Maggie Roswell or something like that. Like, it's not. I'm sure it's not that same scale and I'm not trying to build myself up to that, but it's it's really cool to know that you've been able to make someone's day that's probably been the biggest source of joy for me and the biggest change in my life through this, that I've been able to know that I'm making a positive impact in at least some people's lives. I've loved being able to meet people, not physically, just over the internet, through the show, people who love The Simpsons as much as I do. And physically as well, Mr. McGregor that came to the trivia night. (laughs) I couldn't work out what that hand was. I thought, don't look at the hand, don't look at the hand. (laughs) (laughs) But Jordan Wood, that was a fantastic costume. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Even, he, he should have won best dressed. Um. Oh, the the Mr. Burns had gone to a lot of effort. Yeah, he created a foot cast that had a hand on his foot. Did he create it, or did he just buy a, a fake foot and stick it to his hand? It was his hand was inside it? Was it not? Yeah. Anyway, let's not get into the semantics. <laughs> But yeah, it was great. Uh, that, that was at a trivia night, by the way, for those of you who are unaware. Jason Canham says, due to it being a subject that you enjoy and are very passionate about, did you make it? Did this make it hard to be objective? I think with the podcast, we've learned that it's important not to do that. Yeah, you don't want to sit there and just blow smoke up people's asses and say, oh, The Simpsons is great, it's wonderful. No. You, if you don't find some things that you don't like about a show, then it um, can lose impact on all of the things that you love. Um, saying that we didn't really mention in the book or in the book talk about negative things. No, we didn't. But we, that's there's a couple of moments. But the book was meant to be about why we like the show, so it wasn't a case of putting things down. It was just we didn't touch on the things that we mm. didn't like. And I mean, to an extent, the book is deliberately written from a subjective point of view, in that it's how we connected to it, how we related to it, and by extension of that, hopefully how everyone else relates to it. Like the whole point of us including a window as to how we connected with the show is to be able to make other people think about how they connect with the show yep. and try to spur on those same memories. And some of the some of the happiest feedback that I've got is that it has done that for people, that they've been reading it and remembering their own little bits and pieces and their own family members who might have introduced it to them or watching it with their sister or whatever it yep. might have been. Um, but that didn't stop me from being able to look at particular episodes, particular moments and and go this is good because of this uh, and this is bad because of that. So, I'll, you know, we're, as you said, we're, we're focusing on the good because we want people to be able to read it and remember a really good time, but it, it didn't... Uh, I was still able to be very objective when I was actually watching the episodes and taking notes on what I wanted to write about. I tried to channel what I was thinking at the time when I first watched the show, when I first watched the episodes. Like, what, what yep. was 10-year-old Dando thinking when he was watching this episode? Yeah. Next question, Keith Nedham says, I've been around since the start, listening to the show since the mm-hmm. beginning, as he has. That's the real life Homer. And I- thank you very much for um, sticking around on yeah. that whole journey with us, Keith. Mr. Bakery guy. <laughs> have you ever thought Have you ever thought when starting this that you would have gotten so big that you could do a book like this? Firstly, I don't know that we are so big. 
No, we're not. Um, I think it... I mean, we're, we're the Facebook fellowship helped the, sure. the pitch to Penguin, obviously, and say we've got an audience and we can promote it to this many people. But whether or not we had 50,000 people listening to the show a week or whether or not we had 500 people listening to the show a week, I truly believe it was just that one of those people happened to work for Penguin and we were able to connect with that one person. So I don't know that us that our success necessarily entered into it. It was just that one guy believed in us and that was all that it took in this instance. We never really asked Hugh how he found the show, did we? Uh, I'd be interested no. to know. Did, did he just come across the podcast? Actually, I think or? it might have been through Facebook that, uh, you know, some links got shared, found the yeah. page. and We have quite a big UK following. Yeah. yeah, that might be it. And I mean, he works in a sort of office environment where he's able to listen to a lot of podcasts. Of course, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, finally, I've got here, Joe Lowe says, did you ever experience that thing where you think about something so much that you end up temporarily disliking or hating it? Yes. Personally, yes. Not necessarily hating it, but I wanted to re- remove myself from The Simpsons for a while after the book. I am sort of like that with the podcast in the sense that, well, we've mentioned this before, I don't watch The Simpsons anymore unless we're doing a review. Yeah. Because I think it would just be, get too much for me. Yeah. I would get sick of seeing The Simpsons. Um. I wouldn't say I got sick of The Simpsons whilst writing the book. For me, I got sick of trying to pick which episodes I wanted to do. Like That that was the part that annoyed me the most, mm-hmm. was deciding which ones I wanted to write about. And it annoyed me when I would have my favourite episodes, or I'd pick episodes that I wanted to write about, and then not be able to write about them. Yes, yeah, so, some episodes me. you'd watch and you're like, I can't actually get into I this. I love this episode, but I can't write about it. Yeah. And, that's, and that was pissing me off. I'm thinking, is it me? Is it just because I can't write? Or is it just that there's nothing to write about in this episode? One of one that did that for me was actually, it, as much as I managed to get it in there eventually, it took me a really long time to be able to write about You Only Move Twice. Um, because it's, gag. Heavy, it's just it? so... It's Sometimes with the episodes that are really, really funny are the hardest to write about because you've got to try to figure out what's going on beneath that that you can actually crack into. What did you focus on in that review? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain you would have... Shall read, we find out? You would have focused on Albert's performance, obviously. Uh, the way the family have to throw their lives away for Homer. Well, uh, let's have a look. It's page 96 for anyone that's playing along at home. <laughs> How cool is it? We've got a book. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Actually, you, while I'm finding this, uh, I, I got some nice feedback from my dad the other day who also said, uh, I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. <laughs> um, mostly because he's not a Simpsons fan. He's like, you know, I, I was it's like I wasn't sure what I would get out of reading this because there's not like I don't connect with it the same way you do. But Step above, I'm actually enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he read like 120 pages in the first day. Um, I started by... Uh, getting all fancy and talking about space in the phone in, in the final moments of you only move twice as Homer is reading a telegram from Hank Scorpio he's told that project Arcturus could not have succeeded without him for those unaware Arcturus is the brightest star in the celestial northern hemisphere fitting then that this should be one of the brightest episodes in the history of the Simpsons oh. and in my opinion <laughs> a peak that was never reached again that, that's your number one is it not yeah it is yeah uh, rather than a negative, rather than that be a negative comment on the quality of the show, since it's the ultimate compliment on, to the quality on display here, I wanted to come up with a more creative choice for my favourite episode of all time. I really did, but I just can't bring myself to go past this one. Um, and then I, yeah, I talk a bit about Albert, and so basically, I I kind of contextualised that review in that that for me that was the absolute top of the mountain and it's a tribute to everything that's come before it um, and then I think everything that's come since tries to live up to that moment. That's how good an episode that yep. is. I remember I liked the intro to your uh, Realty Bites. Yeah, I, I read that out Phil on Hartman? a podcast yeah. a little while ago. That yeah. was a, a, um, an epitaph really for Phil, Phil Hartman's life. Um, that Yeah, I, I actually get a little bit choked up thinking about that. That was one moment where I really did get into my kind of inner psyche, I suppose, and, and, and poured my heart out on the page. Um, there's two or three moments like that throughout the book where I really do um, try to let people in. And, yeah, I, I, I hope that that's something that people enjoy and I hope that it stands up. Well, that's all the questions we got through on the Twitter. The rest of the ones were just the, do you come with the book and all those extra little tidbits that we had thrown in. But Could thanks. Jesus microwave a burrito yeah, so, so hot, hot that he himself could not eat <laughs> We do have one final question, sorry. It was just not showing in the thread. So this is from uh, Denise and Karma from the Simpsonology 
Oh, so at Simpsonology. So they run their own podcast over yeah. in the States. Did you guys try to get permissions from Fox Legal and how did that go? Um, which is a question a lot of people have asked in general on social media and that sort of thing. So as we kind of alluded to before with the stuff about the cover and what you can, what we could and couldn't do, no, we didn't get permission specifically. Um, we didn't have to. Because we just didn't cross any lines that you required permission for, basically. We, we were employed by Penguin to write a book for them. Anything that copyright-wise was up to them to sort out. It wasn't up to us. It's uh, not actually how the contract works, but um, <laughs> they, they run an eye over it. But if, if we broke copyright, we would have been in trouble. Oh, I know. But I'm <laughs> saying we didn't have to ask Fox for permission. We would write something and then... Penguin would go, that's not legal. Well, yeah, and fortunately that didn't actually happen. Like, we, we had no. a fairly clear idea from the outset of what we could and couldn't do. But basically, yeah, like, we just, we had to avoid images and we had to avoid deliberately, like, we couldn't just steal slabs of dialogue or anything along those lines. It had to be our piece. Um, but, yeah, like, it, it was purely walking that line between referencing something without actually stealing from it or copying it. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean... The, we could have. We could have quite easily approached them and said, can we get permission to do this? And then we would have had to pay several thousand dollars mm-hmm. for it. And um, But quickly, that becomes a, a non-viable way to approach it. The biggest issue we had was the sprinkles mm-hmm. for the donut. Well, the donut in general. Yeah, that that was the only real issue where we're back and forth saying, you can have it this shade, that shade, yeah. this color sprinkle. By the end of it, I was annoyed. I was sick of it. I got to the point where I just said, just fucking pick one. I don't care. I'm sick of it now. And I'm glad we went with that one because that, mm-hmm. that does look great. Yeah, well, it's not the actual. They, they did donut. A, They just did a great print job. Yeah, it, yeah. it looks fantastic. It's enough to the understand. book looks better than it does on the image that we got sent before yeah. when we when we slept the donut. Actually, I, so you asked me before, what am I proudest of about the book? I will tell you that I'm proudest of the number of fans who are excited about getting it. For one thing, the number of fans who are spreading it all over bookstores when they do see yes. it. But also the number of fans who are writing okay in the, <laughs> on the <laughs> front cover where it says "Do not write in this space." Thank you so much. Yeah, they're getting it, yeah. understanding it. Yeah, because I've had so many of my like my nan saying. Why does it say that? <laughs> <laughs> Even when I explain the joke, she's like, ah, oh, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, so anything else we need to mention about the book? Just thank everyone. Not really. Again. Like, it, the, my, my lasting thing for anyone that's, if you've got an idea and you want to do something along these lines, A, it's not as hard as you think, but it's not as easy as you think either. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's achievable. Don't think, oh, I could never do it because you absolutely can, but don't think, Oh yeah, I'll write a book. It'll be a, br- a breeze because it's absolutely not. Like it requires, in some instances, particularly if you're working a job, and you probably will be, um, staying up until two or three in the morning to get stuff done. It requires shutting well, that's off. Not, that's not normal. <laughs> it requires shutting off elements of your life. Like I had to put headphones on in my lounge room and just not talk to anyone for a while. And obviously, my wife, like my, Ash, was suffering. Well, Ash was the victim of that for three months, where she couldn't talk to me the way she normally could and you know she knew that if I was writing and she couldn't bring up anything important because it would drag me out of what I was writing so like there are sacrifices you need to make like I was up in Queensland for a mate's 30th and sitting like waking up two hours before everyone else so I could go out on the deck and get some writing done for a little bit I went on a golf trip and stayed away from the restaurant to get some work done there was a time though where I kind of look forward to doing that yeah I'll be out and about and by the end of it I was actually looking forward to the chance to write. I think it's because it was. I knew that once it's done, it was done. It, I almost was. I wanted to get it done. It ebbs know? and flows. Yeah. I, I found that there were times where it felt like a burden, um, like a millstone around your neck, and there were times where it felt like a release. To so be able to get away of an from idea, everything. I'm going to go write about that right now. Yeah. Yeah. It working was a nightmare because it's it's so when it's when you've got the deadline, it's so all encompassing that. I'm sitting at work, and if it was a quiet day at work in particular, then I'd be resenting it, going, God, I, I could be getting so much done, and I'm stuck here waiting for someone to walk in, and no one's coming. Not going to lie. Um, Springfield Files Review written at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, or there'd be times where I'd be like, okay, I've been working on this for six hours. I need to get out of the house. I'm going insane, and I'd go play golf, and then I'd get two holes in going, what am I doing? I've got a book to write. I can't yeah. be playing golf. Like it yeah. would just, it, no matter what I was doing, it felt like it was the wrong thing for a period of time. But then there were other times where it was everything, you know, flowed and felt nice. So again, like it's, it was a real emotional roller coaster. And you, as long as you prepared for it going in, I think it's okay. My advice to people is I have low self esteem. So it's, for me, it's believing yourself. Well, that jump is not helping. Why? <laughs> if you got to dress like that. This is, I get more compliments <laughs> for this jumper than anything else I've ever worn. Really? Yes. Pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
believe in yourself and trust your own abilities. That's that was for me. I had no faith in myself. There was one moment that I will let the listeners on where I um uh, I oh god, I wish I had kept this because it was like when we would send drafts back and forth to each other and that sort of thing. There was a moment in there where I think I'd used a colon or a semicolon or something along those lines very, very deliberately and might I say very, very correctly. And you had sent a, you, you kind of went through one. There might have been a couple of spelling mistakes or something because it was the first draft. You're like, I've made some changes. And as I'm reading through it, you had changed a piece of correct grammar to a piece of incorrect uh, grammar. There was one that I did and you sent it back with the change. And I said, I'm not, I, I said, I changed that. Is that right? And then you said, no, that's supposed to be like that. And I went, oh, okay, fair yeah. enough. That was one, a tiny moment of me going, ah, how dare he? <laughs> how dare he think he can change my colon? <laughs> I remember it, it was something I wrote. I can't remember what it was. Oh, whatever it was. Yeah. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had changed it and sent it back and then it got changed again. I was like, no, <laughs> it needs to be this way. But yeah, we did it. Yes. So, it's in stores now, um, particularly in Australia. It's in stores everywhere. In the UK, we're yeah. starting to see a lot of photos of people finding it in stores, which is super exciting. I still get a little bit giddy if I wander past a bookstore, um, say, near work and spot it there on the I shelf. I still haven't I'm like, seen a bookstore. i am in the city yet. Should I do something? Like, I'm like, should I tell them? <laughs> should I walk up to the people at the counter and go, see that over there? I've done that. <laughs> What's the American website they should be going to? Book Depository? The Book Depository. Yes. Com. So, if you're an American or Canadian listener... Go to their website and they'll get yep. it sent from the UK. Yeah, they'll send a UK one until a US deal gets done, in which case it'll start appearing everywhere. And they, they still have the team. old image as well, so don't stress about yeah, that. Yeah, don't stress about the artwork. Um, you'll get the nice shiny yellow print, but it is... It, it, yeah, with the, A, they're working on fixing up the artwork. It might even be done by the time this goes to wear. And B, they are also working on a deal into the States. But um, if you're in America, make lots of noise about this and that will help with getting it out over there. That's it. And thanks to everybody who's already purchased the book. Really yeah. do appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Right, guys, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this little insight into what into what we're into creating Homer's Odyssey and a Big and Simpsons guide. Mitch, any final words for the listeners? Um I will Oh, I am totally up for signing autographs. Just throw it out there. If anyone spots me, I mean, feel free to buy a copy, keep it in your handbag, um, you uh, carry it, fold it up into you know a pocket-sized book, um, but come up and find me. I, I still feel awkward about it. I like do you? It. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I worked on a brand new signature for this. I want to start you. And you know what's happened is that I like my autograph signature more than my normal signature now. So I'm like, oh, this kind of sucks. I want to be able to start do- using that in my day-to-day life. I don't think I'll life. ever be used to signing. Look, why? Why do you want me to sign? I don't get it. Well, anyway, so thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you guys next time. See you guys. <laughs>